I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. to another edition of the Lost Words podcast. I'm joined as ever by Jason. Jason, hello. Uh, good evening, Tom. I hope you're as well as you were yesterday. Oh, I'm even better than I was yesterday. I'm not quite as red as a lobster anymore. Um, it's still very, very hot, but uh, here we are. We're not going to be double, double bidding tonight, so uh, should be okay. And we're also joined today by Matt Cooper. Matt, hello. Hello, how are you doing? Very well, thank you, Matt. Thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, it's a pleasure, and uh, nice to hear that uh, you enjoyed St George's as much as I did. Yeah, absolutely. We, I think we both uh, we both really really enjoyed ourselves. I think I probably got a little bit more burnt than you did, which probably left uh, probably left a bit more of a sour taste in my mouth. I think you were probably more sensible and, and found some shade where you could. Um, I think you are more sensible than me as a person, so that would make sense. Um, Matt, just your your kind of that we kind of been speaking before we came on, just about your thoughts of, of Royal St George's and and the event itself, really, in, in so, so many words. Yeah, I've um, I I found it a, it a lovely week. Uh, I mean, I was quite lucky I got there on the Sunday beforehand and just walking onto the course was just, I found it quite sort of soul lifting after 18 months. It was, yeah, back, I, I, I love Lynxland. I love the fact that we go to these back end parts of the country that are just really difficult to put on a big event. I mean, it's slightly absurd, but also slightly brilliant. Uh, I, I spent, you know, I, I saw a bit of sandwich, bit of deal, bit of kings down these like very nice little seaside towns and villages and uh the, the more i sort of thought about it I'm like, this is just it's just barking mad especially when there were people who were, it was taking them two three hours to get onto the golf course yeah um and i mean that that is a that is an ongoing problem with that location because if i mean it, it was it was partly due to the fact that with covid restrictions i think a lot of people opted not to take trains i know they spent a lot of money making the train station bigger and come up with a good route to get people to the to the town. But I don't think very many people went by train, so there was a lot of traffic that they weren't expecting. But if it had been 40,000 every day, I think it could have been quite awkward. So, But they're never not going to go to Sandwich because they need somewhere down south. Um, but uh, but I'm, I'm straying from the subject a bit. Yeah, um, it was great to be back on the course. I think I preferred Sandwich to memories of going there in 2003 and... 2011 um i really liked the golf course i thought i thought the rna did a good job of making the fairways soft and the rough thick and lush and and i believe from what i've speaking to people that that would have been the case had it not rained anyway uh, i think more wind would have made it a more interesting uh, prospect in terms of the leaderboard but uh marikawa got to 15 under and Everybody else could have got there if they'd played as well as him. Yeah, and I think the things were a couple of points you mentioned there. I mean, I, I actually, you know, a bit more of a again straight from the point. I travelled in by train, and I was actually quite surprised how easy the, the actual entrance into the the event itself. Um, you know, showing the COVID the pass and and getting your ticket scanned. I thought I thought it was really really well organised. Apart from obviously the fact there was all the traffic on the roads, which I don't think can be helped. It makes it worse when it's 100 degrees outside. I think people are very very impatient. Um, and then back on the golf course as well, what I found while I was there was that it never felt like anybody was going on a, a massive charge, which seems ridiculous because Morikawa got to 15 under par, um, so obviously he was doing it quite 
quite regularly across the week, but it, it felt like the scoring was pretty much in control. It felt like every time someone sort of made a birdie or made a bit of a step forward, there was there was a hole to get them back, or there was a string of pars for the leaders. It always felt like that. You know, I think McIntyre was brilliant, obviously, on the Saturday when when everybody Matt was moaning about the pins, and uh, and he went out and shot the lowest score of the day. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was another week when he proved that he is a very good links player, wasn't it? I mean, two, two opens, two top tens. He had that brilliant fast finish at Hillside in the British Masters a couple of years ago. Um, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time with the Scottish journalists last week. Um, I was camping uh, next door to where they had a, a chalet. So we were sort of, uh, I'd sort of propped myself at the end of their decking and, and uh, have a drink with them because it was, it was, uh, of course, we're all very afraid of track and tracing last week. I, th- I think, I think more so than COVID. Actually, it was like you know, if you get, if you go out and get pinged because somebody's been in the pub, then you know that's the end of your open. And yeah, absolutely. It was, it was such a pain in the neck to, to actually get there and get the whole thing sorted. The last thing I wanted was to, was to discover something like that happening. So, um, so yeah, but but propped on the end of their their decking, I spent a lot of time trying to and. Um, it was quite funny. Nick Roger of the Herald said to me that when McIntyre was on his charge on the Sunday, he said Martin Dempster of, of the Scotsman. He said, he said, I, I, I was scared. I was scared for Dempster. He said, I think he genuinely thought he was going to win the Open. It's like, I don't know what the hell would have happened. He said, I think he might have had a heart attack. Um, but I think they're genuine. I think there was, there's genuine. They've got really good hopes with him. I think he's absolutely. And he seems like an absolutely fantastic character as well. Um, and I, I, it was a strange one. I think John Rahm, Jordan Spieth backed up what we think about their abilities on at Lynx Golf, and Colin Morikawa just. I, mean, we've, I think everybody must be thinking it's it's kind of frustrating that somebody can be so good and make it look so easy. But I'm also slightly, still slightly baffled. On, we talk about how he hit all these fairways and greens, and yet actually the two standout points for me on the back nine were when he didn't do that, when he first way more or less duffed a chip and then hold from 20 feet for a birdie and then two other occasions when he got into thick rough and got up and down for par saves and if if somehow we looked at him in a different way we'd think that that was brilliant dramatic golf but somehow i suppose ultimately it's, it's demeanor isn't it yeah. it's like if your demeanor is dramatic like jordan spieth is i mean when i went out to follow him i took binoculars and I, i'm not i'm not kidding i just stood 40 yards away and stuck the binoculars on Spieth and just watched him twitch and tug at his shirt and and sort of talk to himself and um, it was just fantastic value. But I mean, but it almost has to be because golf's just a barking mad sport. I mean, you'll have, you'll have discovered this as well. You you go and watch somebody play golf and you hardly see a ball. And yeah. It's just it's one of the most you're paying eighty quid to just see people. I mean, I said to somebody at one point, imagine if you went to the, to watch football and for eight. 80 minutes of the 90 you never saw the ball <laughs> you only you only sort of saw it when they were passing between defenders and the keeper it'd be absolutely mad and yeah I, I, I spent an hour behind the first tee on the Thursday morning and everybody around me was like going did you see that one did you see that one and we'd all got up at four o'clock in the morning to go and watch it absolutely barking mad oh, I've never heard something so relatable it's exactly what I've been saying all weekend. So anybody that's asked me how it's been, they said, well, you know, what did you think? And I said, well, I don't really know. Because I don't really see a lot. Um, you know, I saw them hit it off the tee and then you, you, go, you go to the approach and uh, 
you know they're sort of hidden by a mound or someone's standing in the way or the tall grass is in the way and you, yep. you kind of guess don't you and then I think the best position I really took was kind of behind the greens and watching the shot come in but then again you don't really know what he's done to get it there so it is you know it's, it's an experience in himself and going back to McIntyre Jason obviously not to not to carry on talking about what we talked about last night but obviously I'm sure you'll back up what Matt was talking about there with, with the Scottish journalists yeah yeah like I said he'll win the Open one day it just wasn't this year was it <laughs> um, there we are yeah, yeah, you covered it, haven't you? You know, space box office. I don't think that this proved... I'm not having a go at the winner. I don't think it proved he plays links at all, um, to be honest. And I'll be interested to see what you know what he does through the year and what, what price he is in future years. Um, for me, it wasn't a typical Open. And uh, he was brilliant and he was the best player on the day. And he was, you know... Uh, Justin Ray just put up his figures about... Um, uh, the strokes gain that he does with his approaches, but we know that we know that already, uh, and it wasn't expected at the Open. And, and like like we said before, there's nothing you can do about conditions. Um, it doesn't prove anything to me. It, it, it you know, look at the rest of the top ten, the rest of the top fifteen, and you've got you've got plenty of proof there that they've still got it, and they have been proven on proper inverted commas links courses. So um, yeah, interesting to see what the market makes of it. Um, as I say, you know, I've got no problem with Carl. I was on at Harding Park, so you know, he doesn't owe me anything. Um, yeah, just didn't think, just didn't think it proved anything. Uh, yeah. I, uh, can I, can, sorry, can I just jump in on that? That's just prompted a, th- a thought from me, which is that I, I think the RNA did a good. I think they were aware of this business that sandwiches, fairways have. Uh, Dangerous bounces on them. I, that, for instance, I stood behind, uh, by the 17th fairway for a long while on a Wednesday, and it was really obvious that balls that were landing on what are effectively ski moguls were just—they weren't bouncing particularly viciously. They were sort of landing with a bit of a thud. And I, it's interesting. I'll be interested. I, I think that is a one-off strategy from the RNA for this week because I think they know that they've got to do, do something. I mean, the strange thing is, you'd think if they really want to do something about it, they just actually flatten the ground itself and and, and then make the ground baked. But um, I think going forward, they know this is the only Southern Open that they can have. And that might be the only way they can get around playing an Open. And so it's interesting what Jason says. It could be that you put a little bit of an asterisk next to this one. when. Uh, but I mean, then again, are you going to put an asterisk against the fact that Jordan Spieth has kind of backed that he can play links golf and John Rahm as well. So, but I, 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 I kind of appreciate Jason's point, and I think I'll bear that in mind going forward. Well, well, I said the same thing, didn't I, Jason, on the podcast yesterday? I said that it felt like there was never a better time for Morikawa to contend mm. or even win an Open Championship. It, the conditions felt so very not American, but there was just there was just no breath of wind, and 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 didn't I know about it? And and it felt like <laughs> you know, and, and, and there's a couple of points. I think. What you said, Matt, about his demeanour is that like because he never gets out of control of himself and because he never is so animated is that we never expect it to be some sort of heroic shot, whereas I think he did play some that, that really did show his Lynx calibre. And the other point that, that I brought up again yesterday was I was just so impressed with his maturity. You know, Jason, I told you in that post that he put up earlier in the week, didn't he, just after we recorded, that said that he'd uh, changed his irons because of the way they went through the turf. Um and it's just those level of things that I just think that him coming out and, and he just seems so polished. I said that he's, he's the closest thing to Tiger. I think there is that can be. And that might be a recency bias thing. 
Uh, but I just think that everything about him is just, he's so hyper-focused. He knows exactly what he needs to do. He said in his interview, he said, like, you know, I, I knew that after last week and, and the fact that I hadn't been to Open Championships before that I had to prepare more than everybody else. And he, he got his work in and was really, really happy with what he did. So, you know, and that's easy to say after you've just won after 72 holes and got to 15 under par. But but like you said, Matt, he, you know, he got to 15 under par and, and Jordan Sweet was a 13 and 14 under par. But, you know, the other guys won. And... So, in, in a sense, I think the golf course was what it was, and two people just outperformed it, a bit like when Henrik Stenson and Phil Mickelson did it at Troon. Yeah, yeah. I do. I, I, I've been wondering this for a long time. What I watched an unusual amount of Wimbledon for me uh, the week, uh, week before, and um, tennis is such a brilliantly natural televisual sport because at the end of every rally, they focus in on one player and there's going to be disappointment or joy on that person's face and, and and the face really drags you into the story and you really get involved emotionally with one or other player and it it occurred to me not for the first time that I think that's why the Solheim Cup and the Ryder Cup are, are pretty much golf's biggest events that translate to the wider sporting world because it's only then that the players actually break out with facial expressions all the time yeah. and the cam and and i wonder whether golf tv needs to start actually having a camera that zooms into the faces but because i think there are expressions there in normal stroke play but because the cameras are so far away from them so often we don't pick up on them quite so much and i think there are players who that's never you know i can't imagine for instance that jason coke rack is ever going to come up with <laughs> a wonderful range of expressions that are going to really help us relate to his story but um i we we still we're aware that jordan spieth does a lot of facial expressions and a lot of stuff but we i think we could get closer and i think if we got closer we'd 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 be in on it even even more so and funny enough i actually think little segue to the women's game. If Colin Morikawa reminds me of anything, he kind of reminds me of the sort of last 15 years of Korean golfers in that he is very accomplished, works very hard, and he's a very quick learner, and he's very mature and achieves things very, very quickly in his career. Uh, and, uh, and I also think that women's golf would, would, would be better translatable on TV if, if for want of a better word, the cameras got in the face of the golfers. Yeah, and I, and I really appreciate that point. I think I think it's slightly easier to do in, in, in Ryder Cup because, you know, there's less going on. There's only a certain amount of matches on the golf course. You know, there's only a certain amount of singles that, that matter at any one time. And, you know, the foursomes of four balls are only a certain amount of players each one. So, whereas, you know, us as, as golf punters or golf viewers very much demand that we see 36 different players during a broadcast and every time a, you know an NBC or a Sky Sports put an event out it's that they haven't shown the person a shot eight under par that day so yeah. I think yeah. it's, it's a really fine balance between something like me you, Jay, me, you and Jason Matt that would appreciate that the storytelling aspect and, and really get into the into the, the personal side of the player and get people to be invested as we as we hope that we'll do um, as well as covering what they need to do to satisfy the regular punter that just wants to, to yep. see all the shots. So, yeah. And and I think also I, I I didn't see it because I was in I was there at the weekend, but I heard a lot about the 
the recording, Jason, maybe maybe you watched it, that there was a lot of wide-angle shots, which meant the ball wasn't picked up as well um, on the TV. I don't know if that was something that you noticed, but I think that they're trying to try and incorporate you know, wide shots of the course and see that sort of thing, as well as trying to get the, the play in hand as well. Well, it's very, it's very, you know, when you think we watch God knows how many hours of golf on the television, then we watch it this weekend, how many times all we're doing is watching a ball in the air. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you do it. I sit there and because it's the same camera angle, you go, oh, that's gone left, right? <laughs> uh, and I'm looking at it against the cloud. And and the vast majority, I think they have done, on the, certainly on the European tour, they, they, they try to, they ignore the ball now and close in on, on sort of the player's expression. But the vast majority of the time, that is what you're looking at. And it's quite amazing that that makes TV because it mean, it doesn't generate it, it means nothing to us. It, it you know it could be doing anything, couldn't it? It could be short, it could be long, it could be anything. It is a ball in the sky that we watch for five seconds, and then finally we see where it lands. Um, so there is there is more that could be done with that time. Um, you know, yeah. We'll see. I just had a quick one as well, Colin. Uh, Colin. Else, we, we, haven't, we haven't got Colin on this week. That would be, that'd be quite a coup, wouldn't it? No offence, Matt. But, um, you know. <laughs> just, just, despite whatever I said, and, and I can't believe it's the same player that played Scotland, but um, or maybe Scottish player wasn't really Colin Mulgawa. Um As Henrik Stenson said, you know, um, coming early and playing a bit extra doesn't do it for him before he won at Troon, and that you had to play Scotland. And I'm sure it had nothing to do with it, but there we are once again. You know, Jordan, John Rahm, Louis, Fratelli, go back, blah, blah, blah. Okay, there was Scotty Scheffler. But apart from him, um, Morikawa did play Scotland and uh, he proved victorious. So uh, maybe there is much more evidence um, to suggest they really do need to be coming over. Yeah, I think so. I think that I think there's... It's hard, isn't it? Because I don't think there's a there's a one size fits all. You see guys that come over, and, and Zach Johnson will always be a person that benefits from shooting twenty under par. John Deere getting his confidence going and flying straight over to to the Open Championship, and and Jordan Spieth's taken months off between the Opens. So it it really is hard to see what it fits. But I, I do think that was that was massive for Morikawa, as we a lot of us saw it as negatives because he played so poorly. It is a massive eye opener for him, and it, it gave him the opportunity to make the change and, and do everything that he needed to. And and like Matt said, he's obviously just such he, he's just able to learn at such a quick clip, and he's such a good learner that he's managed to cram that into four right. days. Right. Well, you can go back to another one of Matt. I mean, got to be honest, the work that Matt and some of the other journalists done during the Open is quite quite incredible. You know, obviously, I'll talk about the people we know because I don't care about the rest. Um, you know, Ben was putting out massive articles on stuff every day. Matt was doing reports on the course, and 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 that was my the, one of my favourites was um, one you well, I don't know you did oh, the life entitled Young Americans, um, and I love this. I love this. Um, it's about how young players um, don't have to play the the course with previous winners to to learn about playing with it. Um, they chat about it when they're playing in Jupiter, Florida, blah 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 blah, and then he, he does Matt does a brilliant thing. Um, I sometimes wonder if computer games are responsible. Uh, which anyway, I let other people read it. it. It's there. It's there on the live, and I think you need to read it because because it was great and it was just you know made me laugh. Anyway, but it does. I, I, it does I, I, I think I think we should discuss this because I think you'd have a good. I genuinely. Well, first of all, I played I played Sandwich on whatever it's called WGT. Uh, yeah. Quite a few times early this month just to see what I thought of the course and everything. Um, 
I, I think I think it's quite an interesting sort of insight into what you have, you have to do. And I did the same thing uh, for Kiwa Island ahead of the PGA Championship. But but more importantly, I genuinely think that youngsters today they're used to playing computer games. And what you tend to do when you're playing computer games is you are going for birdies all, all the time. So you're almost you're almost getting used to attacking and and. Uh, and, and I, I think it probably it, it may almost uh, have impacted one day and T20 cricket as well because there'll be people who played played computer game cricket as well. Oh, be practicing forward defensives when they're playing the computer game, and it's like um, one day I'd like to get a hold of some people who really would be able to answer this question completely, and you know not my suppositions and daft ah, ideas, but uh, but I think that there's potentially something something in it do you know what there is there is absolutely something in it right i like i used to play snooker 100 years ago and um when you're playing the snooker or pole on on the on the phone now like because you know that's what you do these days when you play and you and you look at it and you think you have that experience of how much spin shall i put in it how you know and you think it's a bloody computer game but it works and you can actually feel the shot bizarrely I, I, if I'm going off on one, then just put me down or something, right? Well, if you start but, playing VR, you'll be amazed. No, oh, I'm not playing VR. That, that just that my brain will just explode. You'll but, end up like, saying, over. What I'm saying, but but when you when you're like you do these silly like invitational games and there's some made up bloke from Korea or something that comes in and plays with you, right? And you watch it and you go, oh, he doesn't know how to spin the ball back, and it's a bloody computer game. That <laughs> if you reverse that, then I actually think you have got a point. Bizarrely. Um, I don't know what point it is, but I do think you have a point. That's a study there, isn't it? Well, no, I, I, I think no. there is something in it in the fact that so there's um, there's a game. It's not WGT. It's not the golf club on um, you know PlayStation, Xbox, PC, whatever. And and you can there's people that actually design that they replicate the golf courses because there's only a certain amount of them that are actually officially licensed. So there's TPC ones on there, and there's a few others. But people literally sit there. And they design all the contours of all the golf courses, all the bunkers, put them in all the places, put the green stint meters, everything. And I think that if, if a player, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if Colin Morikawa would ever do that, but if a player's going in there and he goes, right, okay, well, someone's created Royal St. George's for me, I might as well give it a go and see and see what I can do on each hole. And he, and he plays it to whatever his yardage is off the tee and uh, and sees how it reacted. It's not going to be perfect. Of course it isn't. And, you know, you can't replicate conditions and things like that. But it can only help you, can't it, Matt? It can't, it can't. It can't be a negative. It's just seeing the course before you've actually seen it. Yeah, well, I, I think I've read a player who has discussed playing a course on, on a computer game ahead of going there. And he sort of laughed at himself for doing it, but then did like throw in a line like saying, well, it actually kind of helped. And uh, I, I, yeah, I, I think it makes quite a lot of sense. Mind you, I think there'll be an awful lot of other players who literally would not want it and would would almost have there's bound to be players out there who don't really have any memories of golf courses rock up to them and don't analyze them as say we would i remember chatting once to amy yang and chatting to her about her, her fondness for links golf and she said oh i don't think i've ever played any links golf uh, at which point she'd sort of have two top tens in the open at like i don't know turnbury and burkdale and finished second at Royal Harlech and I was kind of like oh, yeah right yeah 
I, I won't mess with your head by telling you that you've actually done really well at it. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure there's quite, I'm sure there's quite a lot of golfers like that. Right, I'm going to email Duke Stanford and the rest of them, and get to ask them if there's, if you know, they could do a study on it. <laughs> Good stuff. We're going to commit. There's a university. There's a university <laughs> course there. <laughs> Imagine that. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the next module I can take this year. Um, <laughs> nice segue then into the Evian Championship this week. Um, Jason, we've obviously been looking at head of the week. It's a quite a heavily criticised event by the players at times, and Matt will obviously have something to say on this as well. But from from what we've been looking at, um, obviously it's been an event that has been changed to major status in 2013, added on as the actual fifth major of the LPGA rather than the PGA Tour calling the players the fifth major. Um, some very very outspoken individuals, Lexi Thompson, who's obviously yeah. at the Olympics rather than than this week, and Stacey Lewis, who just isn't going to turn up. Funny enough, she said she'd never go back in 2017 until it's fixed. Went back in 2019, then probably criticised it on no laying up and isn't here this week. So um, there, there, there's a lot of uh, angst about the Avion Championship, but but it's the, the second biggest purse, I believe. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, I, I, again, Matt, Matt, no better than me. I mean, I know Lexi was second to Co uh, a few years ago, but it, everything we know about her, I wouldn't suggest this was her course anyway. Um, so, you know, to, to have a go or whatever she said, then, you know, fair enough. You know, don't bloody turn up then. Um, and she hasn't. <laughs> you know, job done. Um, you know, the South Koreans love it, don't they? Um, I think Stanford's the only one of the recent um, American winners, isn't she? Um, yeah. I mean, look, I, I don't care. People, you know, I think Lee Westwood used to have a go at uh, Wentworth all the time, wasn't it? Um, he used to absolutely hate it. Um, but you know they go through these little periods, don't they? You know, don't want to turn up, don't turn. It's probably because you have to actually travel, um, you know, and turn up in Europe. So, yeah, I, I, whatever. Say what, say what. Not there. Not worried about it. Don't have to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. Any <laughs> any sort of further comments on on the the kind of criticism for the Evian Masters Championship? Well, I I sort of say that it went in stages. For, I mean, first of all, when they said we're going to have a fifth major everyone was out at five that just just didn't sound like a very good idea and then if you're going to have five why would you not have a world major or an asian major that would just seem quite a progressive thing to do and everybody basically knows that evian have bought the fifth major so it's just a bit clunky and just a bit awkward um it didn't help it i mean it was it, it wasn't helped by the weather i think the, the first and the fifth were reduced to 54 holes yeah uh it was played in September and the course didn't... I mean, I think they're a bit unlucky if they're getting a lot of bad weather in September, but it, it didn't really work. I think it was, it was a, it's, it's one of those things that I love things where you change perspective and things change completely. And when this was the week before the British Open, it was beautiful Evian on, you know, beautiful alpine setting, mountains, crystal blue waters of the lake, Geneva or Lake Le Mans, whatever it's called. Um, uh, beautiful town, very lavish hospitality, uh, lovely hotel, quirky little golf course. Everybody loves it. As soon as it's a major, it's like, hang on, what's a, what's a major taking place on a quirky mm. little golf course? Mm. Why are we going to France? Or, or why have you managed to buy a major? And it's like, it essentially hasn't really changed all that much, but it just feels, it suddenly doesn't feel right. I think I came up with a, a daft idea in, in Sporting Life and I said, 
it, it's like it was your favourite bistro when you went to a favourite town on holiday. Uh, beautiful location, lovely food, and then suddenly you go there and they've upgraded it to bigger premises and it just the whole thing doesn't work. And I, I, somehow that's kind of happened. Uh, and and again, what Jason was saying about Lexi Thompson, it's not really. It is a bit of a fiddly track. It doesn't really suit sort of big hitters, um, which is why I don't think I'm, I'm happy to avoid uh, Nelly Corder this week. Mm. She's she's never really done particularly. I, I think she finished tied 25th last time, and that's the closest she's ever been to a lead in in her three for four, uh, three visits there. Uh, and also, Jason made a very good point. Koreans like it, uh, and. Jin Young Ko said that a lot of their courses are quite mountainous, and Evian's quite hilly. So, um, I mean, I don't think it's massively hilly, but there's there's that business of popping it to different spots and few elevation changes and quite awkward sort of. It, it's it's that terrain that's not rolling. It's sort of just awkward little plateaus here and there, and uh, she she says that Koreans are, are used to that, so uh, they like it. And uh, I'm very keen on Jin Young Ko this week. Yeah, and, and Jason, you are as well. <laughs> Very much so, yeah. Um, I mean, Matt can lead with it. I know he's done the work on it and he's, he's got it published, so he can lead on it. But for me, yeah, everything, I agree with everything Matt says. I, I think um, um, when, when we knew that we were covering this, um, I started having a look at it a couple of months ago and um, definitely Jin Young Ko was um, top of my list. So it was quite, I said this to you earlier, it was quite disappointing that she won last week. Because that's probably not. I mean, she was coming into it in a bit of sort of indifferent spell, so she would have been, uh, I guess, 14, 16 to one. Um, instead, you've got to take five points shorter. But for me, she she should be favourite. I mean, Nelly Calder can do it on the right course. This, I don't think, is is hers at all. Um, and I think, um, yeah, I, I think Co should be clear favourite. I I see no reason, you know, why she. You know, if somebody wanted to back somebody short this week, then then she stands out. Um, I mean, very basically for me, if you look down her um, career wins, uh, starting with the uh, Hannah Bank 2017, this is bizarre. Every event, if I get this right, every event that she's won, one of the other previous five winners has won, if that makes sense. Oh, hold on, so her, say that again. But, so if you right, let me explain it a bit better because <laughs> that's not English. Uh, that's why Ben has to edit my articles quite heavily. Uh, <laughs> so if you look at the uh, Hannah Bank, um, Lydia Ko and Inji Chun's won that. The uh, Founders, you've got Anna Norquist. Um, obviously, Anna, everybody wins. The Evian, obviously, so we're talking about. CP Women's Open, I believe Lydia Ko won that. Tour Championship, Lydia Ko. And the Volunteers, which she won uh, just recently. Stanford Nimby Park's won that twice. Uh, go back to the Australian Open, you've got Lydia Ko and Nimby Park. So her career wins link in with all the previous four or five winners of this Very event. Good. Yeah. Which I found, I've never seen, I've, I genuinely never seen, we know these are top class players and we know that they're going to win very good tournaments. But I was just, I just thought that was an amazing thing that I don't think I've ever seen before. Um, you know, um, when she gets on a run, so she's obviously been out of form. Um, again, that might know better than me. When she goes on a run, uh, when she won the founder, she went uh, three, one, two, one. When she won the tour championship, she went two, one, four, Miss Cup 473. She's now back in form. She beat a very, very good player last time at the Volunteers. I'm sure she'll come up soon. Majors is ridiculous. You know, she's got a fantastic Majors uh, record. 
She's back in form. She's top five in par fours, which is going to be important here. Um, I just, she's known to want, um, you know, courses where, where it demands accuracy over length or anything like that. Uh, I'm struggling. I'm struggling to find a negative for her other than defending champion and has to win back-to-back. So she's going back-to-back twice. Uh, other than that, absolutely rock solid. Yeah, and, and Matt, I thought managed you would uh, echo a lot of those comments. Yeah, uh, I, I think the only thing to mention is that Lexi Thompson isn't the only sort of high-ranked player who's not there. There's no Danielle Kang, uh, Nasa Hateoka, Yuka Sasso, Hannah Green. Uh, Stacey Lewis isn't really like a top-ranked player anymore. But that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big chunk of, of people who normally take up um, quite a lot at the top of the market who aren't there. So I think that just adds to the notion I have that I'm just, I mean, I think, I think I'm not really sure if you'd say this sort of a year ago, but perhaps you'd perhaps have to say two years ago. If you, if Jin Young Kobin against this field, having just won with good course form, uh, I, I think we should be single figures rather than sort of generally 11 to 1. So, um, yeah, like, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, I think to add extra stoke to the fire, I kind of to, to extend what Jason said, and, and the founders' cut really stood out to me is uh, Hyoju Kim, uh, Jin Yonko, and and Nordfist all, all won the founders' cup and the Evian Championship. Yeah, and Masters. Uh, Carrie Webb had won two yeah. times at the founders' cup, won at the Evian, and Seon Kim had uh, finished T two fifth, sixth, eleventh, seventeenth the Evian, won the founders as well. So. It really does seem to be an event that does correlate for whatever reason, Matt. Yeah, yeah, I suppose that. I think Paula Cream is Paula Cream have won Evian. I can't remember off the top of my head. But, yeah, um, she has done. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and I think she's finished second at the Founders as well. So yeah, I think it's a very, a very solid, um, yeah, very solid link um, between those two. Um, yeah, the other one yeah. I kind of noticed was was the Volunteers event as well. Um, came up an awful lot um, in, in kind of my research. Uh, I think Angela Stanford had won both events. Um, Park Sung Young, who'd who'd won uh, the Volunteers and then has been played incredibly well here, has been in the top two in 50% of her rounds uh, without actually winning it. So, uh, Brittany Aldsamore had finished second at both. So, there, there's kind of a lot there for those two events that really stuck out to me, as did the Hannah Bank that, uh, that Jason mentioned. Is, which would make sense considering the sort of the Korean contingent that wins there. Yeah, I'm just thinking that's that Hannah Bank, that's Sky seventy two, I think. That's it. Is the course I've walked. Yeah, I've I've actually attended that event, so I'm just quickly at this moment trying to see who's who's done really well because Inji Chun won that when I was when I was there, and um, she's past winner of this as well. Uh, yeah, um, Amy Yang has, has won there and uh, has finished tied eighth here. Lexi Thompson has won there and, and finished second here, as we already mentioned. Carlos Asiganda had won there and finished tenth here as well. Suzanne Pettersson uh, has obviously won both. So yeah. there, there is certainly some, some sort of correlations between that course as well. So yeah. I think without that, getting yeah, too that would, caught up. Uh, that, but it would make a bit of sense because it was quite, it was, I mean, it wasn't massively hilly, not, not to the it's a bit more open, I would say, than um, than uh, Evion, but um, yeah, it kind of makes a bit of sense. There was a bit of elevation change 
but yeah, yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah, that one works as well. Yep. So there's there's some uh, courses there that people can obviously uh, get their teeth into. So that we we sort of covered in in pretty um, uh, detail there that Jin Young Ko is is the obvious favourite for us. I think that the tied twenty finish finish for Nelly Quarter at this point is is good. Uh, you know, it's just what she would do on talent alone. Um, Imbi Park is 16 to 1, Matt. It's not been a course, despite the fact she's got several sort of top 10 finishes here, it's not one that she's ever been entirely comfortable on. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. I, I, it, it sort of bothers me that she she keeps picking up top 10s in the majors, but sort of a heck of a long time now since she actually won one. Um, but I, I, she doesn't seem very, a perfect fit for this. Which is a bit odd because sometimes I think the reason why she doesn't win is is length. Um, but you'd think maybe she could get away with that here, but evidently for whatever reason she got one win. But she you'd have, you'd have thought she really liked it. She'd probably won it more than once. I think that, she's played it often enough. Yeah, exactly that. And I think that you know we're talking about someone like you say is it's been so dominant in the major championships in the past. Um, and now it's been a little while. She's sort of had that, you know, big comeback event, if you like, and everyone got really excited again. But does it, does it again? Is this a case of just someone being a victim of their success? Do we just expect way too much from her because because of what she's done in previous years? Uh, yeah, that's probably. I think that's probably probably a good point. Um, uh, uh, it must be, it must be quite. Part of me thinks it just must be quite exhausting to sort of make. Well, then again, perhaps it's not exhausting that you're, you're good enough to just keep being up near the top um, and just uh, never quit. It's a bit sort of, I thought this about Xander Schoffler the other day. I thought he spent so much time sort of in the top 20 in majors. It must actually be quite, he must spend a lot of major weeks really quite exhausted. Yeah. I almost feel like he sort of needs to actually be off the pace far more. And sort of just slowly get himself into the into the tournament and then pounce. Instead of, I almost get the impression he's spending it all seventy two holes, thinking I've got a chance here. Which there must be only so much emotional and sort of mental energy that you've got at these weeks. And there might be an element of that with Inby Park, or it might just be that she she has to rely on her putter so much. Um, which is not to say a, a long game's rubbish, but um, it does get a little. She has said that it gets a little bit under pressure at big courses, and the majors tend to be big courses. But a, a, a general quality means that she does keep getting up into the top ten and the top twenty. But there is something that's stopping her getting over the line. Yeah, absolutely. Any thoughts on Inby Park, Jason? Before we move on? No, I like it. I think it, I, again, yeah, covered covered very well. Um, I, again, it was the US Open, wasn't it, on TV where she was. There was a couple of holes where they were pleading for her to actually reach the fairway, which was just, you know, when do you hear that of a professional golf, and especially one that's won as much as her, um, you know, legend of the game. Um, it should, I think this is, what, 5-6, something like that, isn't it? It's, it's really, as you say, it's 5-6, it's, it's trees, it really should be up her street. But she has, I, I think it's like anything, isn't it? She's been at the top for so long, um, new, you know, new blood comes through. Um, and you know, if you stay the same, and uh, you know, I'm not saying she's regressed really, but if you stay the same, whilst you've got new blood coming through that you are the inspiration for, 
um, you know, you look at a tiger or something like that, you're the inspiration for them. They're, they're better earlier. Obviously, coaching conditions now when you're younger are just outstanding. Um, you've got a lot more of, the, obviously, the Koreans that get um, uh, American-educated. Um, so, you know, you stay the same, you're, you're going to end up 25th, aren't you, rather than top 10, and, and maybe it's just a natural natural thing to happen. Yeah, absolutely. I thought for me that the other one that was kind of tempting at the top of this was Hyoju Kim. Um, she's had third and eighth in her last two individual starts, including at the women's PGA, uh, where she improved every round and ended up finishing third. Um, obviously, a former winner here in 2014 had won that Founders Founders Cup that we mentioned there, and also the, the Volunteer of America Classic we've just been speaking about. She also was uh, her eighth place finish recently as well. So. I thought she was, you know, pretty solid. She's got a, you know, a great major record without actually, you know, adding to that win that she got here in 2014, which was her first major uh, start. She's had two seconds since then and a third this year. Just thought it was interesting that she'd sort of gone 28th, 20th, 3rd in the majors this year, Matt, and, and maybe was ready to peak at one that she's already won before. Yeah, I, I had her on the long list, and then the, the, the only thing that really put me off was, I, I think, ultimately... You, you need to be, um, you sort of, you need to be hitting a lot of greens. And and when I looked at, at winners of this, uh, since it became a major, they'd all, they'd all sort of excelled quite a bit in greens and regulation and sort of run up to their victory. And when I look at hers, sort of tied thirteenth is her best um, this year. She's done that twice, but in a couple of her. Re- recent start she wasn't even in the top 50 for greens and regulation so ultimately that that led to a cross through and but i crossed her name out but um but i i'd still expect her to put a decent performance but ultimately you've got to make a decision on something haven't you? so that was a that was a reason not to go with her yeah you can't you can't take them all can you that is the, that is the, the line we use quite often and uh that was it jason any more for you i mean it, it gets to me to sort of 33 and 41 before i've got anyone else that i want to talk about no, I mean, um, oh, yeah, same as me. I'm, I'm at uh, next next picks at 33. Um, so of the of the ones above, um, do you know what? I, there isn't anybody appealing. I mean, Brooke Henderson could have a pair, I suppose, on on her old par four efforts. If I say old, not that long ago when she was streets clear of the field. But um, yeah, she's still she's still appearing on the greens in regular par four. Obviously, she's a winner not that long ago, um, but not really. No. I've got three, and, and I ended up. I mean, you do yours, but yeah, I ended up at, at thirty-three to one for the next pick. Yeah, I mean, I I, I came across Matilda Cash, uh, Matilda Castro, who we were speaking about earlier, weren't we? Um, you know, LPGA medal championship winner uh, a month or so ago. Uh, won last week at the Gantt Ladies Open, fifteenth in the Marathon Classic, second at the Volunteers of America Classic that we were talking about, you know, previously as well. Um, you know, three wins since, since October 2020. Uh, for me, I just thought that she had a great chance of performing in this. Uh, I, yeah, I, she's the second one on the list. Yeah, um, it could be anything. Um, as you say, rookie season. Um, I think, I mean, she was probably the, was she five to two or something last week? Some, I think Sky told me she was, I don't really understand American odds. So every time I think I worked out, it's five to two, <laughs> um, which obviously is extremely short, but she was absolutely lobbed in. And Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, she had to win it to have a chance of being qualified for the Solheim Cup? Uh, well, uh, um, she still had a few extra opportunities, but basically that week, this week, 
the Scottish and the British were her four options. She had to win one of them to uh, to get LET membership. And so I think basically Katrina Matthew was breathing a massive sigh of relief because, was- um, I mean, basically, I mean, I'm not, it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't really look that great at the moment, the European team, but, um, but yeah, I mean, somebody who can win in, win in America to have, have had to sort of sit them out would have been a bit of a blow for, for the European team. But um, I think I think it takes quite a lot to just to, to know you have to do that. I mean, I, th- I don't think we can underestimate the fact that the LET is a much lower level than the LPGA. But um, I think when you know you have to do something like that and you pull it off, that uh, that's just quite a lot about a player. Yeah, absolutely, and and like you say, there she had to do that to or in in the next coming weeks to get on that Solheim Cup. So one, it's a you know a massive boost. But like you say, having that LPGA victory, if, if it was just purely LET form that she had, um, I wouldn't you know wouldn't be so sweet on her chances. But you just you know you, you you've got that win, you got a second, and the fifteenth to follow that up. You know she's really just very very solid. And, and like Jason said on her, on her rookie year, she was third, tenth, and fifteenth round by round at the Marathon Classic last time out as well. Uh, on the LPGA, so I, I really liked Matilda Castron's chances, uh, and the other one was a tyre fittical at this uh, this range. Yeah. You know, uh, the youngest uh, ever professional golfer, if I'm correct, there, Matt, uh, 14 years and four months. Um, she's a three-time winner by her 18th birthday on the LET, which again, as you said there, you do have to respect the fact that it's a much lower level. But she's second at the LPGA Thailand, um, sixth on this golf course. I, ju- I just the, the number's not great because, you know, she, there is still some things to prove, I guess, on, on this side of the pond or, yeah, on, on the LPGA. But, um, you know, I, I do think you're, you're sort of back in potential. And, and with the absence of those biggest stars, Matt, I think it's worth having a look at her. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I sort of had three in mind in that respect. And um, Castron was one of them. Ultimately, I've, I, I was like, I think probably a bit short for me. I think I've decided the same about Titicol, though. Because it's, I think it's a big. I mean, that you, you were saying that she's finished six at the course. She shot 69, 69, 74 when she did that. So for the most part, she played really, really well that week. Um, I, I think it's a really, I think she's a really interesting um, candidate this week. I mean, she actually she was 29th in the women's the women's British Open at Woburn. Uh, yeah. A very different kettle of fish to the to when it's played on the links but um not a million miles away from evian either um yeah fact, I, I really interesting um she made it she made the cut at evian in 2017 as well for the for the for the major yeah so um yeah really interesting but again i was sort of like it's one of those ones where it's so frustrating isn't it when you know there's a really good case but unfortunately the bookies know there's a really good case as well yeah, I don't think, Jason, I think we were speaking about earlier, there's not been anything missed on her, has there? I kind of spoke to Sky about it as well, and, and everyone was kind of hoping that kind of 66, 70 to 1 number on her, but everyone's kind of back in the potential as opposed to, to maybe what her floor is at the moment. Yeah, I think I think for me she looks just a little bit short, to be honest with you, um, at the price. But, yeah, like you say, it's, uh, it's a weakened field and um, chasing six places. But, yeah, I think Castro was a little bit bigger. At one point, I mean, this in fact, this fault is at one firm. Um, if you were to put Castron uh, or Fitzgerald together, there's only one way I'd go. So, as, yeah, a, as a matter of interest, so I was going to say the, the other name that I thought of, um, who is 
um, a winner at Evian in that LET event um, would be Pia Babnik. What do you yeah. think about uh, her? Yeah, well, again, she's a much bigger price. Yeah, exactly that. And I think that was that was the other thing was, am I just getting sucked into the name value of the fact that she's a three-time winner by the time she's 18 years of age? Because Pia Babnik is doing it at 17 now, isn't she? And, you know, she's had that LET win. Um, won this against Annabelle Dimmock in a playoff, didn't she, at the Jebra Ladies Open. So, yeah, I think... I think ultimately for her, I think it was the fact that, you know, Thiscals had these kind of major appearances and, and tasted kind of the LPGA, and, and I think that's kind of factored in. But would you say there's much between them in terms of talent level, Matt? Tricky one, that. Thiscals, she's put more good performances together. Babnik's also won quite a lot of events at home in the Czech Republic, which... Is obviously not like a, it's not a massive um, um, quality, but it was against men, so there was a certain pressure that was that was going on there, and that that was last summer when she was, I think she won a couple of them, so she knows what she's doing. I think if if in terms of having a punt, I think if you can get a nice top ten price on Bapnik, I might prefer that to a similar sort of price on Tidical to actually. Pull the whole thing off, um, yeah. That, I think that's what I would probably think about it. I, I think also, I think apart from Kim, um, most winners have a, a fair degree of experience, and most of them have winning experience on the tour um, at the level. So I think to to back someone at forty without too much of that in the background is is is, is asking an awful lot. Well, the thing as well is that someone similar again, and before we, you know, skipping ahead of all the people that we are actually going to talk about in a minute, is Olivia Cullen's played very well on this golf course in terms of actually yeah. the, the LET event, and she's at, you know, a much bigger price, much more like with Pierre Babnik. So, it, and, uh, you know, great ball striker. So, it, it really just depends what you think um, the potential is for these people, because we do see in women's golf, I think, especially that, that people's careers change very quickly. They win a lot younger, they win a lot more inexperienced, they might win a major debut, let alone an actual course debut or, or anything, you know, first time majors uh, performers. So, you know, uh, it, there, there's a selection of players there and my my last pick is, is, a, is a real outsider. So, um, Jason, I think you want to have a little chat about Leona Maguire. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've only picked three in this event. I think they're strong enough and the third one is Leona Maguire. Um, I mean, I had a list of the obvious ones again. Greens in reg, par four, uh, scrambling and putting, because I want them to get up and down if they don't hit the greens in reg. Um, and Maguire, actually, of those three, is the only one that appears in the top 20 of all of them. I think she's top 10 greens, uh, top 10 par four, um, uh, top 20 in scrambling. That's fine if you're hitting so many greens. And uh, she's high up in putting. Um, and for somebody that's clearly been a talent since the year dot um i'm just really interested she's improving all the time um a, a bit of uh, wikipedia um nonsense um anybody knows her, herself and her twin sister uh, were like under 12 superstars i think her sister is it lisa is it um yeah she yep. beat 800 competitors to win the under 12 world junior golf um and uh, they took the Ryder cup up to stay up to the stage at the K Club in 2006. So she's bred to um, do something special in golf. Um, she's, obviously, she's not been around for too long. 
Um, she invite, got invited as an amateur, 2015 European Masters, where she finished second. Uh, and, and since then, she's just improving all the time. Obviously, one, one of the Symmetra Tours you'd expect, uh, somebody that with so much potential. Um, led the uh, major for two rounds before finishing second. Um, led first round at the Medi, Medi Hall. Oh, these names are just ridiculous. Um, <laughs> she was second after round one at the ANA. I think everybody was cheering her on. I know all the Irish were behind her big time then. Um, leading amateur here on her debut here in 2015. This is after 131 weeks of number one amateur in the world. Um, obviously, uh, I, I was just, I, I, I'm not sure, I sound silly, I'm not sure if this is, if this is going to be her ideal track, but on the numbers and on everything that we know about her and, and you know, her, her undoubted potential, um, as I say, she was the only one that hit the frame on all four, and that includes anybody you can name in the market, at the top of the market. So uh, for me, yeah, she's, she's, rock solid I'm, I'm i'm very happy to back her and and you know if there is a first round leader um i'll be looking at her as well she's hit 65 69 68 67 throughout this year uh, she could be anything and I'd, I'd really expect her to win very very soon whether it's a, a major or not you know it's not going to be long coming matt your thoughts on leona mcguire there uh yeah yeah very good player w- weirdly i i i was at the irish opening in 2011 and the two, two twins were playing then and it just it just seemed I mean, it seemed nuts at the time but it, it, was, it was incredible that they were getting uh, starts on the let then and they almost sort of went went away a bit because they went to college quite impressive that they actually stuck through and did college when that so much was being offered them um, now one of them is like a player's agent for modest golf that look after Leona, uh, Niall Horan's company. Um, I always used to. I always used to think it'd be quite funny if, if you were twins as they are and nobody could tell them apart. Just imagine if one <laughs> one of them realised she was really really good, but, but she actually wanted a twin sister to carry on travelling around the world in amateur golf with her. And I, I like the idea that they actually just swapped identities just to keep her on the leaderboards <laughs> at all these events. The, the, <laughs> so, the late, Matt, the late great Barney Curley would have had a right ringing result there i'm telling you <laughs> that would have been I, I just i've often thought that just been an absolutely great idea but um yeah yeah maybe maybe that's i'm, I'm sure that didn't happen um yeah do you, do you want one of my other outsiders by the way yeah you've got oh, you've got a trio at this price matt so i thought i'd sort of say them for you to give them in, in a little bunch here yep get, go for it do you, want to, do you want to announce them uh yeah so you've got austin Ernst, ali ewing and jennifer Kupcho. yeah yeah that's right um Kupcho, I'm, I'm really quite keen about. She was. Um, uh, it's interesting what we were saying earlier about uh, that personality coming through. Uh, do you remember that first Australian, uh, Australian uh, Augusta National Women's Amateur? Yeah. Uh, Kupcho and Maria Fassi were involved in a head-to-head, and uh, it was just. I I genuinely think that's what some of the apart from the Sahin Cup, that's the best women's golf I've watched because both of them just. They, uh, just out of the camera, just their, their character was just fantastic. They were throwing shots at each other, really, really exciting stuff to watch. Uh, Kupcho later that year, she turned pro, she finished second in this event, uh, and she revealed basically that she played the Palmer Cup there um, uh, when an amateur. And she said she played really well and she liked the familiarity of being in France but knowing what she was doing. 
and also on her team that week was Colin Morikawa. Now I'm sort of going with the she's just watched him win a major. It's been a big story this week. Could be a little bit going on there, but um, I like the fact that she hits a lot of greens in regulation. Uh, so I think she's got the game for this course. Uh, Ali Ewing is quite a straightforward. Thing. I just think she's a really good golfer, and I think uh, she played quite well in this a few, few times. She's played uh, well in the Women's British. She said she likes playing major championship golf. Uh, and she's a winner twice in the last uh, 10 months. So she's taken a step up in that regard. And I think she can intend major. And then who am I missing? Oh, Austin Ernst. Another one who's won twice in the last sort of 10 months. And another one who said that when she played... The last time this... Uh, uh, when she played this event in 2018, she kind of felt that was when she really showed she could win major championship uh, contend in major championship golf and I'm kind of taking the view that she's playing well at the moment she really likes the fact she's putting well because she can start to take advantage of a really good long game and I think the memory that she went close three years ago, now she's got two wins under her belt, she can push on a little bit I really like the way she played at the PMG, I thought she comfortable in contention at a major yeah, I, I really like those. And it was Jennifer Cucho that really kind of stood out to me and Jason. We were both sort of speaking about her uh, before we, you came on, Matt. And she was obviously second here at the Evian Championship kind of months after turning professional. Um, and, you know, she's in, in exceptional form. She's still looking for that first LPGA victory. Um, has got a 10th for 13th and 9th in, in recent weeks. But um, one thing I kind of noticed with her, if you sort of read the interviews, I don't think she's got a kind of chip on her shoulder, but I think people are aware that she didn't play many AJGA events, and she actually only got invited once uh, to an LPGA event as an amateur, whereas sort of her fellow competitors got to more. Um, and she played at that Marathon Classic in 2018 and, and played really well, but never played another event until she turned professional. And, and I think she's a type that feels like she's got something to prove. Uh, yeah, I wasn't aware of that, but I, I quite like that as a... I quite like a golfer with a, a um, something to prove... Uh, bit between the teeth, yeah. That's what I think. That, I think those are important little uh, uh, prompt. Jason, you liked Jennifer Kuchar as well before we were before Matt sort of said his piece. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I just say that I, I, you know, I think she's got place value, which is which is the key because uh, like I say I, I like the fact that, that I, I prefer them to have won um, if they're going to actually contend for the win. But she has got place value, and, and just quickly, uh, Matt's obviously got a fan because I was texting somebody earlier on today and he fancies Cupcho, Ewing and Ernst so uh, <laughs> clearly somebody read the, col- read the column earlier than I did <laughs> yeah and you know I think for me that there's as we've said there that they're kind of a trio of players that, that really do benefit Matt I think it's fair to say from from the absentees of those that take up a lot of that top of that betting uh, yes but, but also what I quite like about all of them is that uh uh, despite that, I, I still think they're quite nice prices. Yeah, um, they're, the, they're the types that if they'd been 33, 40, I'd have been like, no, 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 not interested. But um, the fact that it was all of them are 60s and bigger was, was a, a, a big, big tick. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my, my very outsider this week is Seung Kyung Park, Matt. 
Um, obviously a two-time major winner at the US Women's Open, Women's PGA Championship 2017 and 2018 respectively. Um, has top 10 uh, major appearances in every single one. Second here um, in 2016. Um, interestingly, I've got that she was in the side of top two for 50% of her rounds here, seven out of 14. Um, she's been wildly out of form, which is why she's the price she is, which is kind of 250. I think there's some 350 about if you if you really wanted to take her on. Um, but, you know, she has been out of form, but she was 32nd last time out of the Volunteer Classic that we kind of been talking about, and she improved every round. And I ju it just kind of struck me that if she can still do it at courses that she's done it before at that, you know, some of that she's previously won, that maybe she could just come back to here where she's, you know, she's got a second, a 26th and a 6th. And even at 26th, it was the one, one of those years, Matt, that you said that got shortened uh, to three rounds and she had a shocker on that day, uh, you know, in the rain, so it was like 77 to go from first in the first round, fourth in the second round to 26th. Um, so she's just got some, you know, she was never outside the top two on her debut. She was sixth here in 2019, where she was never outside the top eight. I just think there's a lot of pedigree there for someone that's so long in the betting. Uh, yeah, um, I, I hadn't spotted that, and I think that's uh, bang great. It's um, it's quite a sad story, the fact that she's sort of um, gone from being so so brilliant to, to struggling so much. Um, she was, I, I think I've chatted before on here about that, about a trip I did to... Uh, South Korea when they had the international crown and uh, uh, she, she was one who really seemed to uh, struggle with all the adulation that she got I don't think she was especially comfortable with it yeah uh, and 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 ever since then she seems to have have, have, have bowed under it uh, uh, she her, her her persona with the short hair and everything is very like k-pop that's what a lot of people said to me that's that's why she was so popular because she she basically looks like she's a K-pop singer, and yeah. uh, they they have this app where you can sort of you can you pick what haircut you want. And Sunkyun Parks was like one of the most popular, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, but it's it's because she had she had one of those swings, you know, you know every now and again she's she's next to somebody else in the betting more or less, and Van Dam, who who again another one who's kind of lost the plot a little bit. In her case, she's she I think she's really forgotten how to putt. But um, both of them, they've got swings that everybody just absolutely drools at. Just fantastic uh, swings. But like, yeah, they've they've lost the secret of of scoring, which of course is the most important thing. But yeah, I think that's a really really good spot. Um, yeah, I mean, just just a three time, you know, you know, she was only a, for a single week in 2017. She was world number one, but she regained that in 2018 and 19 at separate points. And like you say, there she. She could well be someone that just hasn't been able to cope with the pressures. I mean, she's still only 26 years of age. This is the this is the amazing thing that we have, or 27 years of age, sorry. This is what we have for these kind of ladies golfers, Jason, that we've kind of spoken about before, and, and I don't know quite what it is, but they seem to come out so much younger and so much quicker they're ready to win. I think I sort of maybe put it down to maybe as a, as a junior you know, girl or ladies golfer, it's maybe less intimidating than going up against professional women because they're, you know, it doesn't seem so intimidating as going up against a, a grizzly veteran on the PGA Tour. Uh, no idea. I mean, uh, they're, they're all just great, aren't they? You, you know, you yeah. watch the junior events and they're just, they're, they're, the standard, their attitude, their professionalism, you know, the, the American colleges are just incredible. It's obviously translating over to, to Asia as well, but 
you know, what they can do when you when you watch when Duke versus Stanford. I mean, there was a competition they show on Sky every year. It's just absolutely incredible. Their ability at that age is stunning. And if you think you move on from there and have two years of professional coaching, um, you know what you can achieve is just is just unbelievable. So, yeah, like I say, I think if you if in, in both games, both the men and ladies, um, you know, if you stand still after a, a run of success, you're going to be quickly overtaken, and and your first and seconds to become twelfths and fourteenths because there's just so much behind you. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think for me, you know, like Matt said, she's kind of gone, you know, away from the game slightly. I mean, she's not made a cut in the majors this year. Um, the best finish was 17th last year at the PGA. But, you know, just before that, it was just absolutely superb. She had three top sixes in 2016, uh, you know, win in 2017, win in 2018, three top eights in, uh, in 2019 as well. I, ju- I just think that, Coming back to somewhere she obviously felt comfortable in before. She's done well on the comp courses that we like. Um, it, it, it will turn around for her, you'd imagine, uh, unless there's something gone seriously wrong. But I just took a little bit of uh, promise from that last start. Um, but that, that was kind of it for me from a betting perspective, um, gents. I don't know, Jason, if you had anything to add on the tournament itself? No, in the absence of Yuka Sasso, who was on my list um, two months ago, had she turned up. Um, I, I, I like watching Lizette Salas. I think she's, she's great to watch, and she took Nelly Calder sort of really to the yeah, 60 second hole, something like that, um, at the women's PGA. Um, she never bloody wins, but you know I don't mind. I don't mind. I think she's good fun. Um, but apart from that, no, I'm, I'm I, yeah, I can't argue with what anybody said. Uh, but I'm very happy with the three that I've got, and you know, once again, prepared to be let down. Matt, if we were looking for for a home favourite to cheer for, who who would you think would be sort of the, a leading British contingent here at the uh, the Evian? Uh, well, she's not. Uh, she's only sort of half um, British, but um, uh, yeah, I have thought a, a little bit about Olivia Cowan, um, who's sort of German English. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned her as well, and that prompted me just to have a quick look at her greens and regulation figures. And they're very, very good. Um, so um, that I think you can get uh, a decent price on her as a, something like a top 10. Um, yeah, I'd probably go with something along those lines. The only other thing I would say about this week is that uh, I would mention K-pop just now. And I'm not kidding. One of my prompted topics to follow on Twitter has become K-pop in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm slightly worried that that, my, that uh, Twitter is listening into my conversations. Though the good news is that it's listening to this podcast. The bad, <laughs> the bad news is that the, 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 this surveillance world is mad. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it does become quite worrying when all those Facebook adverts pop up and then someone sort of sends a screenshot of why something dodgy's print popped up on a wish.com for something to purchase ah. and you think, well, you must have you must have had a conversation about it. So uh, people need to stop exposing themselves in that way. Matt, if, you know, if the worst thing that happens is that you come up with K-pop trending on Twitter, <laughs> then, uh, you know, you're pretty safe at home, I think. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I think that's pretty much what I had there for, for the championship. I think it was, it's really nice, obviously, uh, to put a spotlight on these events, especially after the Open Championship last week. And Matt, thank you very much for coming on. Um, Pleasure. What, what, I would, what we'll do, Jason, is we'll, we'll summarise our picks. So I'll go first. Uh, Attire Titical at uh, 40 to 1. Uh, Matilda Castron at sort of 33 and 40 to 1 as well. And Sung Hyun Park at 250, 300 to 1, whatever it is that you can find and the place terms that you're happy with. Uh, Jason, over to you. 
Yeah, Jin Young Co. Like, rock solid. Um, uh, bloody Arthur, where, where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? I'm so prepared. It's Hopefully, I'm so prepared. at home still. But, you know. Matilda, yeah, looking at Wish. Matilda <laughs> Catherine uh, could be anything, and Leona Maguire uh, is going to win at some point. Um, yeah, I, just just very quickly. I mean, I, I don't know whether it's because we look at them so rarely, whereas we're on the European and the PGA Tour non-stop. Is it is a fantastic sort of um, diversion to look at these sort of tournaments, the ladies, the Challenge Tour. If you've got time, I don't know if I've ever mentioned. Um, <laughs> and, and it is a lot. It's a far more interesting because you have preconceptions about your um, the PGA players and, and the European players because we do it so much. Whereas this involves, if you like, proper inverted commas research. And and I just I enjoy it tremendously, and, and I wish we could do it more. Uh, we spoke, didn't we, uh, a few weeks ago, Jason, about the Challenge Tour, and I said that I you know I was never really into it. I, I know you had a, a background in it. You know, it's not like you've mentioned it before. Um, but, um, you know, from a pure point of view, like you say, there's just no, you don't have that, I've watched him do this wrong, I've watched them do that wrong. Um, in terms of the ladies' golf, is a bit more because you can watch it. But generally speaking, you know, you dive in, you look at the numbers, you look at where they've played well, you make your comparisons, and it's a really enjoyable thing. So maybe we can start talking about some challenge tour, bringing that forward, uh, and we'll do that as well. But Matt, before uh, we get out here, if we could just have your pick summarised as well, please. Uh, yeah, Junior Yonko. Uh, 11 to 1 outright, and then Austin Ernst, Ali Ewing, and Jennifer Cutcho at sort of 60 to 70 to 1. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we've got some uh, great selections there. I think there's definitely some each way value in, in all of those. I think there should be some top 10 and top 20 markets for uh, the, the rank outsiders. But I guess, guys, I think the the word is that Jin Young Ko is going to seriously go close here this week if she doesn't win. So, uh, I think we're all very happy with her chances. And uh, I bid you all farewell and, and good luck for the week. Cheers, Tom. And you, mate. And it's going to be a far more interesting watch than the 3M. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely that. Um, yeah, we'll be back next week for, for more fun. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.